Memorial Stadium. Since 1962. Since 1962. A sellout crowd. A sellout crowd. All sold out. Hey, we sold out, but we still saved you a seat. The sellout with Mitch Sherman and Max Olson. Hello and welcome into the sellouts. I'm Mitch Sherman. Max Olson is here. With me as usual, it is snowing in Nebraska, Max. You know by now I'm going to talk about the weather at some point in every episode. So, oh yeah, how's your driveway? Uh, it's 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 probably not great. I went I went to take the the to to pull the trash bins in last night, and uh, it was covered in ice, and now it's covered in snow. So it's yeah, funny. It's I texted mess. you late last night to be like, Mitch, something weird's going on. It's 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 31 and it's raining, but then it's freezing, and you're like, yep, that's. That's freezing rain, Max. That's, that's there's a <laughs> name back for that. to Nebraska. <laughs> right, seven right. years yeah, in Austin. I didn't. Uh, I haven't encountered this in a while. Right. It's it's not it's not good stuff. It's not it's uh, it's no joke. Freezing rain is like the worst kind of precipitation you can get. So my driveway is a mess, and I am sending my kids outside to shovel as soon as we get done recording. In fact, you may hear them in the background while we're doing this complaining that, about. Oh, that makes so much. So that's why people have kids to to like have the the labor to go go clean. And mow the lawn and all that kind of stuff. That makes sense. Yeah, mine are getting to the age where they should be able to handle it, but (laughs) I may have to go. I may have to go uh, preside over this when we get done recording. So, as you can tell by our discussion, we are now into the fourth week of January. We are getting into this. This episode, we're going to get into the the projected depth charts for 2020 that have published on the Athletic this week. But first, it has been a busy time at Nebraska, Nebraska football in particular, since we last talked. On Friday of last week, the Huskers and offensive coordinator Troy Walters parted ways. The school called it a mutual decision. Then three hours later, the Huskers announced his replacement, Matt Lubick. So let's start today by talking about Matt Lubick, formerly of Washington, of Oregon. He made stops at Duke, Arizona State, Old Miss, Colorado State with his dad, Sonny Lubick, the longtime coach of the Rams, Oregon State before that, San Jose State, Cal State Northridge. He played DB at Western Montana way back in the early 90s and spent two months in 2017 at Baylor with Matt Rule before Lubick found a better fit for himself up in Seattle. So Max, mm-hmm. your thoughts on this hire as offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach? I, I think it's a, a pretty obvious choice and a natural fit here because this is this really is one of um, Scott Frost's closest friends in, in the business. And uh, I think it made sense for him if you're if this is the position you're looking for. Uh, Matt Lubick is, is probably the first guy that's going to come to mind for Scott Frost, especially just with the reputation he brings uh, as a recruiter, and and certainly Nebraska is not struggling on the recruiting front, but um, you know this is a guy you, you you read off that list of schools he's been. He's he's been able to get players everywhere. I mean he he I, I he has a, a a strong track record as a recruiter for for nearly you know two decades here. Um, Bruce yeah. Feldman uh, knows him well and and likes to say that Matt Lubick once signed an entire class by himself at Arizona State, which is, <laughs> it sounds like a, a tall tale to me, but it sounds really good. So <laughs> I know he's, Son- a, he's a really hard uh, worker on the trail. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure for Scott Frost, this was, was a no-brainer. He signed Vontez Perfect at, at Arizona State, which is uh, maybe both a good and a bad thing as you look at, at, at that, Matt that, There have to be record. some interesting stories from, from that recruitment. Right. 
yeah, and, and most of that recruiting that he's done, the, the, the majority of it of his stops are all west of the of the Rockies. Uh, Colorado State being just east of the Rockies, but in the Rockies, he did go to Duke mm-hmm. and worked for David Cutcliffe for a short time. And Cutcliffe raves about his ability to recruit. Most of it, though, is in California and in the Western states, an area where Nebraska can use an upgrade in, uh, on the on the recruiting front. Tony Tuioti has gone in in his in his twelve months on the job and uh, attempted to get things started. I think that uh, you know he'll get into Hawaii and some other areas in Nevada, Southern California. But uh, Lubick is a is a big feather in the cap for Nebraska as a recruiter in California, where the Huskers uh, have not recruited as well under Scott Frost as, of course, they've done in states like Florida and Georgia. That's where the majority of Nebraska's that Nebraska staff has the majority of his experience. So, um, in addition to fitting with the receivers, he gives them something that just isn't there on the staff uh, out west. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, he's an interesting. Uh, he's he's certainly an interesting guy here in terms of like uh, wh- where he's coming from because um, you know usually you 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 pluck these coaches away from other other jobs and and Matt Lubick was was pretty easy to hire. He he'd left the business um, a year ago um, after after coaching at Washington and he he got a job working at uh, Canvas Credit Union and um, you know was out of the business for a whole year and. and you know, I, I think it's I, I always find that interesting because, um, you know, these guys that have been in the business for, for a very long time and, and been all over the country and all that, you know, it, it, it can burn you out, you know, and it, it, it can wear you out. It's, um, you know, that we, we see that a lot of, of coaches deciding to move on after, you know, seemingly having really good jobs. And so I, I imagine Matt Lubick is coming to, to Lincoln pretty refreshed and, and, and pretty you know, eager to, to, to get back into it here after, you know, sitting on the sideline for a year. Yeah, he, he was working with his dad, Sonny, at, uh, at the credit union in Fort Collins. I think it was important uh, for Matt to get back home, near near home for him. Home is, is still there in, in Fort Collins. Uh, his dad coached at, at CSU for more than a decade when, when Matt was, was young. So, and that was a, that was a According to him, and in, in the the one interview that he's done since he he came back or since he took this job, uh, he talked this week to uh, the Husker Sports Network on the Sports Nightly program with Greg Sharp, and and mentioned the importance of being. I wouldn't exactly say in the backyard of his home when you're when you're in Lincoln, uh, but but Fort Collins is is a is a drive. You can make it in a drive or certainly a short flight from to mm-hmm. to uh, to Denver and then on up. So um, getting home Have you was been to Fort uh, Collins. By the way, Fort Collins is lovely. Yeah, yeah, I've been to Fort Collins. Uh, I've been to a, I, I went to an NIT basketball game in Fort Collins way back in uh, the, the uh, this is Danny Knee the Danny Knee era. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm, I'm going to date myself here, but I did. <laughs> Mo- Moby Arena. I uh, went there over spring break. Uh, I believe I was. I, I was. Yeah, I was still in college myself. Um, and then I've been there. Man. I was out. Th- I was in Fort Collins this uh, this fall on the uh, on the trail between Denver and Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. When I went to uh, report on Gary oh, yeah, Nelson, right. I, I stopped in Fort Collins. I uh, didn't stay there, but uh, yeah, it's a nice, it's a pretty town. I mean, the elevation is uh, is more than than what, what you get in Denver. Uh, interesting, interesting challenge for sure to to coach there with uh, with everything that that uh, is you know is posed to have to come into that stadium and play and have to train there. Uh, different than different than Colorado, but uh, um, you know they've had some success. No, yeah, they've had I, some had some had some football teams there. We we took a we took a summer 
trip out to Denver last year and, and spent a day in Fort Collins just going to New Belgium and Odell Brewing. You can and, also do uh, that there. <laughs> and 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 just walking around their town square and we're like, oh, damn, why didn't we go here? You know, cool place. Yeah, yeah. So why let's let's talk about why Nebraska needed, needed to make this change. Mm-hmm. Um you know what? What was what has been going on at the receiver position in particular, but then also with Walters and his connection to Scott Frost a, a, as Nebraska sees this offense evolving in the Big Ten over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think there's two ways to look at it, Max, with the receivers. Obviously, Wandale Robinson, J.D. Spielman, Stanley Morgan in 2018 have had a lot of success with Troy Walters as their position coach. I would argue mm-hmm. that that. A lot of people, just about anybody, could have coached Wandale Robinson last year, and that he was going to have a good freshman season. But you know, you don't penalize Troy Walters for that. the The bigger issue, as you look at it, is a number of other players who have come through uh, in Lincoln over the last couple of years and just haven't developed anywhere close to the level of those three that I mentioned. So. What what's um what, you know what have you seen from the Nebraska receivers? What have you thought about the Nebraska receivers with Walters in charge of them these last two seasons? Yeah, you know, and I I really liked uh, the, the the few interactions I had with with Troy Walters and in, in being around the yeah, team. Yeah, stand up guy. You know, just seemed like a, a outstanding guy. Um, look, man, I he, he think back on last season, I feel like the the wide receivers uh, were almost a, a weekly topic for us. You know, and 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 Scott Frost and his staff um, certainly signed a lot of players in that room uh, last season. And uh, it just it just never felt like, it just always felt like a one-man show uh, offensively um, in terms of their skill talent. And, and, and so, uh, you know, it was, it was really a head-scratcher in terms of, like, you know what Spielman can do, you know what Robinson can do. Why can't anybody else, you know, get involved in the action? Why, why aren't they either earning those reps in practice or, or, you know, being given chances in games. And, uh, you know, I, it it was, it was a little bit of a head scratcher for us. It really was. But I think this is, um, you know, this is part of like, I I imagine for Scott Frost and and the staff, the way that they have to sort of perceive things is like, if, if there's going to be a standard, um, and, and everyone's going to be accountable and everyone's going to be evaluated, then that, that comes with it. Even if it's someone who's as good a guy as Troy Walters, who, Obviously, it was uh, so good for them when they were at UCF, and and uh, certainly not someone that you you want to push out. But um, I, I think clearly something had to change in that room, and and clearly, you know, throughout the season, we we would have these conversations about well, what just what are they doing offensively? And and, and I think if if Scott Frost is using this offseason to bring people into the room who he trusts to, you know, provide better input, provide better scouting, provide. Uh, a better sense of um, how to really get that thing clicking again, then then I think that's important. The receivers that, that we saw in August, and I remember going to practice in August. I think you went with me once this year. Yeah. And we watched yeah. those guys, and you saw Darian Chase and Jamie Nance and Demarion Houston, and they all kind of looked like they had similar skill sets to me. You know, smaller quick guys who, who you know you weren't going to you weren't going to have an X, Y, and a Z among among those mm-hmm. three. Um, but I thought at some point one of them would emerge, and you know Chase made some trips, got into a couple games, but never never made an impact in the in the offense at a time when Nebraska ne- needed somebody to do it. They moved 
Chris Hickman to receiver late in the year in, in, in kind of a, a last-ditch effort to try to find some mm-hmm. size there. Clearly, Nebraska was lacking in size. And then this year on the recruiting trail, and you didn't, you didn't hear Troy Walter's name connected a lot with these guys. Save your bets early in the recruiting process. But at the end of the day in recruiting, um, in December of 2019, what Nebraska signed at the position you got Betts as a six-two guy. You got, of course, Omar Manning, the six-four, mm-hmm. you know, the gem of the class. Certainly, the the the, uh, the the guy who's expected to impact this program the most on the offensive side, if not on the entire team. From from this group of uh, of recruits is is a receiver. You have Marcus Fleming, who's a speedster out of Miami. You have Alante Brown, the prep school product, originally from Chicago, the high school, former high school quarterback. You know these guys. I think Nebraska. It's a has good class, man. Like, that's talent. a good yeah. class. Yeah. So the urgency is there to have a coach mm-hmm. who can connect with them and who can work with them and who can turn these players. You know, you can't have those three redshirt freshmen I mentioned plus these new guys failing to come along at the at the, the level of the rest of the skill guys or the rest of the entire offense. They need to be on pace or, you know, even setting the pace in some ways when you look yeah. at Omar Manning. And, um, you know, I think that's why Nebraska felt a lot of urgency to, to, to find the right fit. You know, Troy Walters and Scott Frost, I think, drifted apart just a bit in the way that they saw Nebraska's offense changing in the two years since it was UCF in 2017 to Nebraska after the 2019 season. There are differences in what you are able to do as an offensive team playing uh, against the schedule and in the conditions that UCF did uh, in comparison to what Nebraska faces week in and week out in the Big Ten. And I think Troy Walters was was more suited and, and, and um, you know, a better fit for what they did at UCF in 16 and 17 than at Nebraska these last two years. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, um, you know, certainly this is a, a move that I feel like we've sort of alluded to this over the past few podcasts because it just felt like mm-hmm. – it felt like some kind of change was was coming here, and and I guess, um, you know the, it, I don't know it 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 makes sense I think, um, and 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 certainly I think that puts a a magnifying glass on that receiver room uh, because I think that, as you said, to to bring in that much talent, um, and and especially to bring in guys like, um, Manning and Brown who you know who are not true freshmen who who are not guys that are are going to go through a long that you know, developmental curve here. Um, yeah, there, I think there's, there really is some urgency in, in getting this right. And so uh, really curious to see what uh, Matt Lubick brings to that position. And, and I, I don't know, does that, did that hire surprise you at all? No, no. It's a name that I had heard that a lot of people had heard over the weeks leading up to this thing that Nebraska might be looking at Matt Lubick, that Matt Lubick mm-hmm. had consulted with Scott Frost even during his his season away from football in 2019, that he was familiar with the personnel. You know, Scott Frost, we saw with the Mike Dawson hire, is way more comfortable hiring guys that he knows than opening this thing up to a pool of national candidates. You know, we don't know what Matt Lubick is is uh, is gonna gonna make um, for his salary, but Troy Walters was making seven hundred thousand dollars, and and I don't imagine they're gonna pay. Matt Lubick less than that so we'll, we'll, we'll see it it'll it'll come out soon enough and um you know they they, they had if, if that's the money you're throwing around you know that they had would have had plenty of interest from all kinds of people nationally but uh you know Scott yeah. Frost wants to wants to do this with people that he knows and and you know there's some there's definitely some value to that especially with the way the staff is composed so 
There is really one more key position still to be filled, although 10 assistants are are on the payroll. Nebraska has not hired anybody to coach the special teams. Uh, that was a that was handled by Javon DeWitt, who's left for for North Carolina, replaced at the outside linebacker spot by Mike Dawson. And uh, the the presumption is that Nebraska is looking at an analyst spot to handle special teams. Um, I, I reached out to Sean Snyder and heard back from him last week, son of former Kansas State coach Bill Snyder, who was in mm-hmm. an operations director role at Kansas State for Chris, Chris Kleiman this last year. He's looking to uh, to get back on the field and and back as a coach working with working with schemes and players, his expertise is special teams. Uh, no doubt about it. He was a punter for Snyder and then coordinated some great special teams units over the years. He said he's very interested, those are his words, in the Nebraska job. Uh, he was up for a job at Texas, and that has since been filled. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe it comes down to Snyder in an analyst role. What, uh, what do you think about Nebraska um, using somebody as a, using an analyst to, uh, to handle special teams? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure maybe most listeners are, so, are sort of wondering, well, what's the difference there? And 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 quite frankly, the 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 rules designate that the analysts, you know, are not supposed to be heavily involved in an, in an on field role in practices. But it's not like that's exactly uh, policed uh, from a compliance or NCAA standpoint very well. You certainly have seen Alabama and all these programs load up on, um, you know. Very like Alabama had Major Applewhite and Mike Stoops and some some very qualified guys in analyst roles last year that I, that I have no doubt were involved in in helping with positions and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think it's a way. There's there's a little bit of a, a, a gray area there in terms of you you can bring in coaches who can really help you from a practice standpoint and and, and from a preparation standpoint, um, even though you're you're capped at, at ten assistant coaches. So. Uh, I think it makes sense unless unless the staff were to make more changes and it doesn't seem like that's currently in the, in the process of happening. Um, that it seems like that that would be a good solution. And and, and certainly when you talk about um, when you, when you talk about the the programs that have have played the best special teams over the last decade or, or two decades, it's Kansas State's at the top of that list. Bottom line, you know, under Sean Snyder and Bill Snyder. So uh yeah I, I someone like him who i know he he would like to get back into the into the coaching world he was kind of uh pushed to the side a little bit this year at kansas state with the new regime which which makes sense um yeah that that makes sense as someone you'd want to talk to yeah i wrote after after dewitt left that nebraska needed a dedicated special teams coordinator and my thinking in that is that is that that coach would be one of the 10 full-time assistants but even if he's not as long as you have somebody working on special teams every day scheming, coming up with ideas, thinking about philosophy, where it's not on the back burner for 70% of the time, like maybe it was with, with Javon DeWitt, um, then I, I think you've upgraded this thing. So I'm, I'm not getting too worried about whether it's a guy with the title of full-time assistant coach, whether that coach can go out on the road and recruit. I mean, clearly it would be the position coach you would worry least about sending out in a recruiting role. Um, you know, mm-hmm. anybody can can help you recruit a kicker. Uh, your special teams coordinator can do it on the phone, can do it uh, from the office. You don't need to necessarily go and recruit kickers or, or kick returners. They, the kick returners obviously do other things. So I, I think it works if, uh, if Nebraska can find the right guy, and, and we'll find out, I'm sure, fairly soon if it's Sean Snyder or uh, Nebraska goes uh, another direction on, on that, uh, that hire. So uh, this week on The Athletic, as I mentioned at the beginning, our writers spent a lot of time and energy to give you projections and analysis 
on the 2020 depth charts across all of college football. Uh, I want to go over a couple areas for Nebraska that stood out to me in, in putting together these pieces. You can find both of the breakdowns on The Athletic. The offensive story posted on Tuesday, defense and special teams on Wednesday. That's today as we tape this episode. Max, just jump in anywhere you see fit. Uh, on on offense, mm-hmm. I didn't do anything crazy with the quarterbacks. You know, I, I I project Adrian Martinez as the starter in Week One against Purdue in 2020. Uh, you know, go ahead and disconnect now. If <laughs> the, you, the top if you, of the story <laughs> has a Luke McCaffrey photo, so that that feels that feels a little deceptive by you, Mitch. It does, yeah. So uh, shout out to uh, Kate Haropoulos, my editor, uh, for picking Luke <laughs> McCaffrey. You know, we're trying to we're trying yeah. to tease you a little bit with that. I, I guess I don't know. We didn't have a lot of discussion there. I, I told her to to run with uh, Cam Taylor Britt as the photo today on the defensive um, on the defensive uh, story. And we got uh, Will Honus and DiCaprio Boodle. So you see how <laughs> what there my input is on how we Wild illustrate cards. these stories. But yeah, so quarterbacks, you know, hey, look, you can read it. I advocate for Nebraska to use all the resources that it has at quarterbacks. And that means getting Luke McCaffrey into the game plan, getting Noah Vedral into the game plan, get Logan Smothers into the game plan in four games next year. This is the most talented offensive position, the most, you know, the, the deepest collection of talent at any offensive position on the team. Nebraska's mm-hmm. not in a spot in 2020, it wasn't in 2019, to have talent like that sitting on the bench. So Matt Lubick, Mario Verduzco, Scott Frost, I think they need to spend a, a, a chunk of time over the next several months figuring out a way if Adrian Martinez is in fact the guy at quarterback to impact the game with Luke McCaffrey, with Noah Vedral, and even with Logan Smothers. So that's all I'm going to say about the quarterbacks in this piece because it was pretty status quo in the way that I went. Running back, yeah. to me, was a more interesting discussion because I, I think when I look at it after Diedrich Mills and Ramir Johnson, Nebraska is going to be in a position to need to play one and maybe two of its true freshman running backs just because of the reps that uh, that you'll need at that position. Somebody's going to get dinged up. Ramir Johnson wasn't physically ready uh, last year to go through the Big Ten. So Savion Morrison, uh, you know Marvin Scott the third. These guys, I think, are, are are physically in a different position than what Johnson was uh, even during the season last year. Uh, Frost right. talked highly of both freshman running backs. I think they're going to be a part of things next year. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm curious as I look at this. You have Mills is the starter, Ramir Johnson's the backup, and then and then Morrison, Scott, Tompkins, Bradley behind him. Who who would be that guy of the uh the four understudies that you would say, you know what, I bet this guy's gonna do something? Well, Ronald Tompkins is a wild card here. He redshirted last season, was coming off of off of injuries to both of his knees in high school, and then had another procedure done during during the fall of his true freshman season. Didn't get into a game. He's a speed guy. I mean, he's an, he was an SEC caliber recruit if he had been healthy coming out of high school. I, I I'm I'm discounting him a bit until we see that he actually is healthy, that he can be healthy, that he's not going to be like the next coming of Trey Bryant for Nebraska at the running back spot. Who who was that's not a that's not an insult, was a supremely talented player. Man, he would have been good. Right. But but just couldn't be healthy. He just had 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 bad knees. So if that's Ronald Tompkins that puts you know if he's in that in a situation similar to that then that puts and I'm not saying it will I just I I, w- I just want to see him on the field running and making sure. cuts and hitting people so Marvin Scott the third uh, is 
and, and I know more about Morrison because I spent time with Morrison in, in Tulsa in December. But they, they say Scott, uh, the coaches say Scott is is physically as ready as any running back they've they've recruited, and you know, out of yeah. high school. So, and not including Dedrick Mills there. So, I, I I think that he can do a lot for you. I think he can be a, a guy who catches balls. Uh, Morrison put up great numbers in Tulsa. I, I think either one of those guys can can step up and become a player and I'm I'm just really interested to see see who it is among that that duo if it's not both yeah. of them. Yeah, I'm with so you. The, the wide receiver yeah. spot here. I mean, the starters Omar Manning, JD Spielman, Wandale Robinson. That's uh easy, easy call by you. Um but then the backup position there, I I'm curious how you sorted through that because as as we've mentioned earlier in this podcast, so many names there, uh, so many different kind of kind of dudes, different body types, different different abilities. Mm-hmm. Um and now a new coach, so I'm 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 certainly in, uh, curious to see, you know, what is, how does Matt Lubick size, size up this room, and and who does he determine is is ready to go? Yeah, hard to project when you don't know what the coaching style is necessarily, and how he's going to fit with those guys. I think Matt Lubick is going to like Cade Warner. Um, I, you know, I think everybody likes Cade Warner. He was hurt before the season last year, and never really got untracked even when he got into a few games it just it wasn't it wasn't clicking for Cade in the way that it was in his redshirt mm-hmm. freshman season a year before that so if he's healthy I think he factors in the rotation you know as the fourth guy behind those those three that I mentioned as starters and then I picked Chase Darian Chase and Chris Hickman because they played the most as as true freshmen both redshirted last year but got into games Nebraska seemed to trust them more than just about anybody else at, at the position so Look, Xavier Betts is a big wild card here. So is Elante Brown because of his experience beyond high school. And then the other guys, it's a wait and see approach because some of them have had opportunities in the program and, and haven't uh, stepped up yet, even though it's just one year. Javon McQuitty, it's more than that. Um, Fleming mm-hmm. to me is is I put him down as a potential kick returner on the uh, the piece today because of uh, of his uh, dynamic speed and and uh, returnability. What what he did in returns at Miami Northwestern uh, was was very yeah. impressive. So um, it can be a good group, or it can, it, but it's also a group that doesn't have a lot of experience beyond the the top uh, the top couple of guys. I I um, and this is not like the sexy uh, conversation here, so I won't stay with it too long. But I think the position on the offense, certainly on the offensive line, that holds the key to everything for Nebraska up front, you know, how it runs the ball, the protection that Adrian Martinez or, or Luke McCaffrey gets in the pocket um, is at the guard spot. Uh, yeah. We know Nebraska's left tackle is going to be Brendan Hymas. We know the center is going to be Cam Juergens. Um, Matt Farniak at the, on the right side, I think is going to move in to guard. So you find a right tackle and there are some candidates in Brock Bando, um, in, in, uh, the red shirt freshman, Bryce Benhart or Brant Banks. Yep. Uh, and what's going to happen at guard. Nebraska has two returning starters there, Bo Wilson and Trent Hickson, uh, neither of whom, uh, graded especially well. If you go by things like pro football focus, in uh, in the 2019 season, or if you just watched it with your own eyes, there were times where the, those guys were, <laughs> were were getting beat. Um, I think Farniak takes one of those spots, and I'm not convinced. I projected Bo Wilson as a senior starter at, at offensive guard with Farniak, uh, and I think he'll probably start the season at that spot. But if it's not getting done, there are young players like Ethan Piper, like Will Farniak, who who is still listed at center here, um, like Turner Corcoran, the true freshman out of uh, Lawrence, Kansas who has a, a just a bulldog type attitude 
mm-hmm. that who, all of whom I think have a shot to uh, to get in the rotation or or even earn a starting spot at guard next year. And if they're solid at offensive guard next year, I think that means they're very good up front on the offensive line. So, uh, well, that's yeah, my, man. Uh, think think about how many times uh, during this early on in that season, especially where it was like you know everyone waiting for Dedrick Mills to go bust a big one, right? And <laughs> part of that is you know for for him and and the kind of between the tackles runner that he can be. You know yeah. he needs the help up front, um, and, and especially if he's going to be sort of the feature back of this offense uh, going forward. Here, um, I'm with you. I think the guard spot matters matters a great deal. Who'd have thought we were going to be breaking down the offensive guards here uh, in January? But you know, it's it's an important part of the of the. So offensive this is what line it's come sure. to. Yeah, yeah. So defensively, in the uh, in the second story in this series. Um, I was intrigued as I put things together at inside linebackers. So you have two guys who were essentially returning starters in Colin Miller and Will Honus. They shared the spot opposite Muhammad Barry in, in 2019. Uh, the two of them were tied in a, in a three-way tie for second on the team in tackles. So both were productive, but both also had major flaws in the way that they played the game last season. You saw particularly against Minnesota uh, where – the fits just didn't work. Minnesota was able to take advantage of things that the Nebraska yeah, linebackers the were doing. Were killer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and you know while they made amends, I think in some ways as the season progressed, there is some uncertainty there at w- whether Miller and Honus are the two guys. They're a, they're a, they're a safety blanket for sure. It's two seniors. Mm-hmm. It's two guys who are good athletes who can who can create some havoc there in the middle for you but I think all of the players below them or a good chunk of the players below them and it's a young group have higher ceilings I would say and I'd start with Nick Henrich who gets a little bit lost in all of this because he was hurt in the spring last season had surgery Mm -hmm. missed the 2019 season Um, but this was Nebraska's highest rated defensive signee a year ago out of Omaha um, a, you know, a top 100 recruit, big things were expected from him, high school All-American. I think he steps back into that role in the spring and earns a key position uh, as a backup, uh, certainly a rotation guy in, um, in the mix next year ahead of his, his, his classmates, Jackson Hanna, who was another fairly big recruit for Nebraska in 2019, and Garrett Snodgrass, a uh, kid from, from York, Nebraska, who was the scout team defensive player of the year this last mm-hmm. season. So um, I'm also going with, with Va Maga Clements, the junior college linebacker from California, as a, as a backup at inside, inside backer. But, I, but that's a position as much as any on the defense where I'm just interested to see how things shake out because there's a lot of potential there. Well, and, and you get to see, you know, firsthand. I mean, do, do you feel like after after getting a look at uh, Keyshawn Green, do you feel like he can be one of those guys that they can trust right away? Yeah. Well, can they trust him right away? And that, that comes down to his ability to learn the defense. I think they're going to ask Keyshawn Green to do a lot. He's built differently than really all of the other inside linebackers on the team. A little bit like Henrich, but even 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 lighter than Nick. Nick Nick was 6'4", 220, the, the, what, what he's listed on the roster now. I think he'll play at, at, a, at a bigger weight than that. I don't, Keyshawn Green, 6'3", 210. I don't know that he's going to put on a ton of size. I think he's somebody that Nebraska recruited, first of all, was surprised that it was able to recruit. Didn't, didn't mm-hmm. think that this was a guy who was going to get away from Florida State, but he did. And he brings something different 
to this position group, to the defense as a whole. I think Nebraska will will want to use him in a way where he moves around the field. You know, he can play outside backer. He can play inside backer. He could go and line up for a down as a defensive end. He can go and fill the role of what a safety might do in some in some packages. He's that versatile of a guy. He did a lot of that, some of that, I mean, it was a few days, in practice before the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. And, and when I talked to him, he was excited about the possibility to come in and do this right away at Nebraska. Now, can he learn the system fast enough to do all of that right away in his first year? I, I, I don't know, but uh, and he's not an early enrollee, so... We'll, we'll, you know, we'll see, but he's an intriguing guy for sure. Um, and, uh, somebody yep. that I know the Nebraska coaches are interested and excited to get their hands on. Yeah. Well, and as you go through the defensive depth chart, you know, you feel like at cornerback with Cam Taylor Britton and DiCaprio Boodle at safety with Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke, you, you know, they're, they're going to be a lot more experienced on the back end this year. Um, so it, I think it just shines a bigger light on, can they get right at linebacker and certainly can they develop, the the sort of pass rushers that uh, is going to help them, you know, get a little bit more pressure and get off the field. Yeah, the the uh, that's the final area that I want to visit is the secondary as a whole. And until you see it on paper, I think it's hard to to really put into put into focus the job that Travis Fisher has done in bringing this group along in two years. Now, I hesitate to say. Well, this has got a chance to be the best secondary in the Big Ten West. Although I, I did, I did write that. Um, I hesitate to, to to use any anything quite along those descriptions for a team that's won nine games in two years. But yeah. I think it's the strength of the defense in 2020 with Taylor Britt with Boodle um, potentially manning the quarterback spot. You could see Braxton Clark. It was brought up to me in the comments b- b- below the story this morning that maybe maybe Braxton Clark starts and I think he's progressing in the, in that in that kind of a way and then Taylor Britt can go back into that nickel spot um that that he was in before Deontay Williams was hurt last year and and then Britt Taylor Britt had to go and play safety ended the year at cornerback with Boodle shifting over to safety those guys are versatile um Deontay Williams if healthy will be a great addition his his return will be significant for Nebraska on defense next year and he may have another year after next year he's listed as a senior but he's he's a a solid candidate for a sixth year of eligibility if that's something that he wants to pursue next next winter um, and I think the backups at these spots too with guys like Noah Pola Gates and Quentin Newsom out of that recruiting class last year and then all of the uh, all of the recruits that Fisher helped bring in from the state of Florida this year several of whom are, are early enrollees really make that a, a deep and strong part of the Nebraska defense yeah for sure for sure next week well, we'll do a whole episode on on what Nebraska does at kicker <laughs> is this it is, uh, this is really com- this is really compelling <laughs> stuff we're doing here mitch yeah right all right we're gonna stop there we, we, uh, we could play like a trivia game of can you name every husker kicker right no nah, it's yeah we could we could we could do that let's let's keep it let's like do that online or something uh <laughs> <laughs> is it Barrett Pickering or Matt Waldock or you know, Dylan Jorgensen? What's what's going on at the kicker spot? I, I hey, quick, um, quick thing yeah. here, looking at the depth chart. Give me a pronunciation on this punter. Uh, are you talking about Pristip? William Pristip. 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 William Pristip. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wanted we'll to go to UCF. Wanted to go to UCF out of high school. Uh, ended up at Michigan State when the Nebraska coaches moved on and then reunites a year later with Scott Frost and the staff. We'll do a story on that somewhere 
this uh, in these coming months on the off, on the uh, athletic. So, oh boy, we got lots of time to fill. Uh, that sounds right. good. We're talking about the punter. All right, that's it for today. Please subscribe to the sellouts wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to The Athletic for great coverage of college football, college hoops, pro sports, and more. You can go to theathletic.com forward slash the sellouts for 40% off an annual subscription price. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this.